The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Good morning, you're on the Deadline Reports with Ben Virgin Investigates, care of Fresh FM. And uh, we're going to have a look today at the post-election fund and games. But this is what I put up on uh, the 27th of March 2018. Remember, you heard it here first. Knights of luxury, the rich and famous down under, and what and how they pay for the privilege of staying here. Now, this photo below are a shot of the luxury yacht No Comment on the 21st to the 2nd of the 2018 Port Nelson. The boat is called the No Comment, so it was not just private jets that have been flying in into the South Island Mass, but luxury yachts too. You might have mentioned I've talked about the dancing here, the various other yachts that were tied up with Jeff Bezos, Larry Page, all these tech guys, and all these guys that were from tech mining, um, and people like Wayne Lafayette, whose boat uh, Gale Force. Uh, was one of the original Trump funders, so they're all kind of at the viaduct in the 2019-2020. The 7.9 million yacht website shows the boat has all the toys and is in the Melbourne Sounds as a part of the tour season. A day later, only weeks after reporters of 30 bankers fly into the south surface, we have reports of two private jets flying into Dunedin, probably the same aircraft previously used to fly Bill Clinton and his advanced Secret Service crew during APEC 1999. Uh, APEC, of course, is the um, Asian Pacific Economic Conference, which is a big, huge uh, conference every year, discuss the bigger business interests, and it's largely, um, you know, the people that are invited as heads of states and heads of corporations. Social causes not invited. Um, this is followed by reports of private jets tried to rig flights to the Washington DC and, and Russia and the US belt also flying into Nelson as Obama met MPs in New Zealand's top corporate executives. Where it's believed National announced in 2020 it, it, it would contain Chris Luxon as basically the next PM. So basically of the 35 MPs invited to $1,000 head speech elected to represent the people of New Zealand invited the Green MP, American-born and Genta, have given details of what the full specifics of Obama's meeting was. Well, who exactly did pay for their tickets? The event was organised by the US and New Zealand Council, the lobby body set up to push the pre-Obama TPPA initiative. The US Embassy, the Westpac ANZ and in New Zealand. The latter two firms being companies that Sir John Key was involved in. In New Zealand's executive and banks include Sir John Key, Chris Luxon and Craig Heatley, US New Zealand Chamber of Commerce, the man who hosted Hillary Clinton's visit to New Zealand at this particular following month of this TPPA meeting. Westpac were heavily involved in this event. Luxon and Heatley were known to be amongst those who had dinner with Obama while he was at the Luxury Lodge. The landing along with Sir Peter Jackson, who simultaneously hosted Jacinda Ardern with the tour of water workshops the same week as Obama's Jackson's meeting. And their partners and six others. The landing costs around $13,000 a night. It comes as also a strong lobbying force emerges for privileged investors to buy land in New Zealand, like Northern-born Peter Cooper, estimated by the National Business Review to be worth $810 million. His real estate and private equity operations span New Zealand and the United States. Cooper spent 11 years as a lawyer, including a stint as a partner at the embattled law firm Russell McVean. He was formerly director of the bear giant Lion Nathan. Peter Cooper has donated $74 million to the top American university. 
In 2013, I'm guessing that's Harvard. In 2013, not long after that, donations to John Kimei Cooper, a companion of the order. Mr. Cooper was awarded the University of Auckland Business School's Outstanding Murray Business Lead Award in 2008. He has bought the land in part for its historical connections, namely it was where the Maoris and the Europeans first met and exchanged goods, he told travel writers last year. Cooper also sat on the New Zealand's most ambitious fundraising campaign, setting the target of $300 million to address critical issues facing our communities. Funds for the Auckland University project will go to the research project, academic fellowship, staff positions, student scholarships, aligned with specific campaign projects related to key issues backed by corporations and those with close ties to the National Party, including Sir Colin Gildrap, the late Sir, Doug, uh, Sir Graham Douglas and Lady Naha, plus major international corporations including the embattled PricewaterhouseCooper. Um, We'll go into that in another section and we'll just talk about that post-election. But basically what I'm saying here is this is what I wrote back in 2018 that Chris Luxon was going to be appointed the Prime Minister for the 2023 uh, election cycle, which is pretty much what's happened. So we'll go into the next section. We'll look a little bit more about some of these key deals and what they mean for the market in New Zealand in the coming next three years.
And that was There Is No Depression in New Zealand, which I guess after this election day many people will debate. Uh, but this is basically, we was just saying beforehand, going beforehand about the fact that Chris Luxton was actually, well, basically it was announced that he was going to be the candidate that they were going to run in 2023, which is what I called in 2017. I actually had a piece I wrote, this was posted 2018, but I've actually written it beforehand. So we're pretty much all a foregone conclusion. So we talk about the Knights of Luxury, we talk about all these guys coming down here to basically turn New Zealand into a billionaire's bolt hole. And of course this was all done at the time in 2009. Postman investigates, this is again going back further, noted that the luxury yacht La Masquerade had visited New Zealand before heading to Hawaii where a bar monkey were on vacation at the same time. And where several investors were meeting to discuss the economic consequences of the Kyoto Protocol being signed. Now this, this directly involves PricewaterhouseCooper, everybody, which if you go online and have a look at it, you realise that there's a, an auditing problem actually taking place. Uh, it's beginning with PricewaterhouseCooper. China said pretty much don't deal with this company. There are now eight different criminal investigations in the Pricewaterhouse go, going on around the world. Australia's the most noticeable. We're basically, um, all the money as they took as consultants uh, to advise the government actually turned out that they were advising the government in the interest of their own mates and helping their mates get beautiful tax cuts. So the La Masquerade was owned by Sir Robert Ogden, a coal magnate who along with the US energy provider Enron, that's the people who gave you the, created the concept of weather futures trading, is what we now call carbon credits. Um, of course, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper, the corporation which the Green leader James Shaw used to work for, uh, prior to signing the the government that we would make three billion annually. After New Zealand signed it, P PwC informed the government it had made a six million dollar accounting error and oops, New Zealand would lose three billion dollars a year. Today, two thirds of New Zealand carbon credits are now owned by the energy sector. So these are again the people involved in the energy mining. So I've talked to you a lot about Zealander. I'm talking to you about the coming of the special economics zones, which again will be one of those things which probably in a year, probably within Luxon's term, I'll be doing a show saying, well, remember about this thing I told you about eight years ago that nobody really thought was important and just kind of went over the heads? Well, you probably should have listened because it's actually a big deal. The meeting signified the first of several trips made by Key to the USA where the PM appeared to be more concerned with impressing the USA than impressing New Zealand. So a little bit like Jacinda Ardern, uh, going over to visit BlackRock, which now papers that are owned by BlackRock say that if you think that BlackRock's significant control of New Zealand's interests is worry, then you're a conspiracy theorist, when in actual fact you're just someone who's actually paying attention to who's buying up more and more of New Zealand, because effectively that's what we can expect to see under Luxon. I think Air New Zealand will be on the chopping board. Um, we see its subsidiary Safe Air is now actually renamed Airbus after the Australian uh, subsidiary of, of uh, I think it's Qantas owns Airbus, don't quite me about the Australian company anyway. So I think that's the beginning of the end of Air New Zealand. I think our banks might be, be um, on the chopping board and I think definitely our ports. In 2015, we were sent John Key an official information asking him whether to clarify whether he held a US passport. Holding dual citizenship is not illegal in either nation, but in the US, a dual citizen may not hold office in any nation outside the USA. So Key Prime, and by the way, that also applies to Julia Genta. So the general rule of thumb is that they don't, US doesn't enforce that policy if MPs are saying things which actually support US policy, but they will go after any MP that turns around and starts saying anti-American things. So anybody who's in Parliament who is US born, there should be there is a question mark over them. They're, they actually represent. This is the reason why in the United States you're not allowed to be the president unless you're born in America. It's a national security issue. We've changed that rule. So now 40% of our Parliament parliamentarians in Parliament, the people that are meant to represent the people in New Zealand, 
were not actually born in New Zealand. Yeah, so no one, no, when asked that question, no one in that office could answer that question in official capacity. The luxury golf course is where Key and Haightley paid is owned by Julian Roberts, the so-called Wizard of Wall Street. Now, so Roberts' partner, John Griffin, owns Cape Kidnapper, which was where Jacinda was going to be married, but then all that stuff about Gayford came up and we were watching the tracking device go to all these rave places and brothels and so on, and it all got very embarrassing. And suddenly none of the none of the uh, women's weeklies and usual, they've been gushing about it, wanted to talk about her wedding anymore. But that was John Griffin, who was actually the Wizard of Wall Street's buddy, um, both tied up with a thing called the Robin Hood Foundation, which is basically uh, a charity which is used to funnel and give very, very rich people uh, tax exemptions. So when we look at all those uh, charities that Mr. Cooper's involved in, um, you might also want to follow that in line with the charity tax laws that Key changed in 2008. Robinson made an honorary night companion of the New Zealand Order by Key, who was among the billionaires wanting to buy bolt holes to New Zealand. These super rich folks say Jacinda's pending national laws, restricting foreigners from buying homes, threatens to halt the region's luxury economy boom and send the influx of overseas billionaires that want to live here and suddenly putting their money into actually having an influence in our local politics. Um, very interesting to note that uh, of those billionaires that were having a little meeting, of course we've got the, the Michael Hill that was tied up next to all these billionaires, was Michael Hill uh, from the Beast, uh, uh, who then was also seen a lot of the freedom rallies, uh, rallies um, up in Auckland leading beforehand. So yes, what's what we need is billionaires in the country with deep pockets to turn around and actually um, create fake mocktivism. Not saying that Mr. Uh, Hill was doing that, but I am recognising the fact that um, actually having billionaires in the country uh, is not that great. When we look at people like um, the guy that owned the, the Gale Force, you know, literally $600,000 Donald Trump. This is a guy that just doesn't, you know, he, come and live here, he comes in and will take his money to actually take the, get things the way he wants. That's how you become a billionaire. The reinstatement of the US into the TPA would see the 11 suspended, suspended provisions reactivated and then this prohibition on the rich and famous who want and, and captivated by a large PR push. So that's another thing which we must bear in mind, that the United States of America has actually signed the TPPA but that could change and that has all sorts of implications when we look at the investment state ISSD clause, and this is the clause that allows corporations to sue, and, and supposedly um, Winston Peters says he's against the TPA, we did, and then he went and said, oh no, I'm behind it, uh, because it's all a new TPA, but actually the new TPA, the CPTP, still contains those, and as the TPA was also largely a creature driven by the World Economic Forest in Davos, basically it's it's um, good old Winston saying that uh, when he's not hanging um, at the Green Parrot or hanging out with his mate Tully who owns the luxury yacht No Comment, or the tobacco company or the racing company who got $75 million, um, he can be pretty much will be guaranteed to be doing um, the opposite of what he says. <laughs> it's Winston. Winston does what Winston. And of course, the question is, of course, Winston is now an MP, but he's also a privy councillor. So that actually adds questions about a conflict of interest. Uh, the US NLTP would be seeing the 11 suspended provisions reactivated in this prohibition on the rich and famous who want to be captivated. Uh, by a large PR push driven on the key when he was Minister of Tourism, which Air New Zealand also benefited from. Um, of course, Air New Zealand also gets the PR work done for it by uh, Frameworks, along with the All Blacks, which gets wonderful tax deductions when they're involved in movies like Mulan and what would have been theirs, but they got cancelled because even the, the Muslim community were not very pleased by that. But that was actually Sir William Sargent, the guy that 
Jacinda worked for when she was in the UK selling Rogenomics. So, um, yeah, business as usual, basically. TVNZ Conservative presenter Mike Hosking singled out Julian Robinson's Why We Should Let the Rich In. By the way, Julian and Mrs. Robinson gave a chunk of their collection to the Auckland Art Gallery. Beautiful pieces, including Picasso, but we wouldn't let any of them get in the way of banning them, would we? 30%, 33% of those donations, of course, as I've mentioned before, and can be rebated due to the law change made by John Key in 2008, where he made sure donations made by corporations, so they get tax cuts, and then they can donate money, and then get rebates off those tax cuts. Oh boy, the rich are going to have a great old time in the next three years. Um, he sure made sure donations made by corporations got a higher rebate. The art gallery fundraiser was led by Phil Goff, the Labour MP Jacinda's former boss, who crossed the floor giving national votes and needed to push the TPA through. That was Goff's last act as MP before he went on to run the Mayor of Auckland, having got the nation donations and funding support of big business first, as, and that's all tied up again with the reshifting of the Port of Otago uh, up to Whangarei. So pretty much for business as usual. Um, I think we're going to leave it on that particular point today. Just a little short show. Just a few little housekeeping points to remind you. If you want to go to my website, that's www.postmanproductions.org, the Dyslistic Detective. Good luck if you can find it. You have very good hard trouble finding me on either Google or Bing. I'm Mr. Mr. Invisible over there. Uh, you can try and become a friend of me at Facebook, uh, but basically I only let friends' friends be my Facebook friends, um, or people who are subscribers, that people who actually basically turn around and say, yeah, um, for 100 bucks a year, um, we'd, we'd love to follow what you're doing, and be able to turn around and ask you questions and use you as a little kind of like um, sounding board, so that's what I, I offer. So you can get all of that, or else you can just come back and listen to us next Friday and Sundays at 1pm on Fresh FM, the greatest radio station in the South Island, and at least two-thirds of the planet. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Take care, and remember, at the end of the day, it's just a big joke. Have a good laugh.
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.